Welcome, everyone, to a very special edition of the Wrestling Wars podcast, where we focus a little more on the war aspect of the name of the show. Um, I know this is kind of a, an outlier and a, d- a different thing that I throw in here every once in a while, but guess what? It's my show, and I pay all the rights to it, so we'll do what I want to do. And not to mention, it doesn't hurt to expand your horizons a little bit if you want to check this out. If you don't got to be just a wrestling fan, you can be interested in history, you can be interested in the arts, you can be interested in lots of things. It's okay to expand your mind a little bit and listen to what really comes down to a lot of badass stuff, really. I mean, what we look watch in wrestling is, uh, you know, the modern combat that goes back. Well, the stuff, the forms of entertainment developed back in. Uh, there's a reason people have a fascination with individuals uh, conducting combat against one another. So... With that, bring in my very esteemed, the esteemed Peter Crawford. That's your, gonna be your nickname, the esteemed Peter Crawford. Uh, right. no. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and go over real quick. Uh, reintroduce you to everyone. Um, you do lectures. You're a published author. Where, where do you? Where have you done lectures at and taught courses at? I, I teach at uh, Queen's University. Queen's in University, Belfast, and that's America. in uh, Northern Ireland. Yeah. Northern Ireland, correct? Ireland, yes. Very Ireland. much, very much so. And uh, what what were the what are the books that you have out there that you released? I've written on uh, uh, the last Roman Persian War. It's called uh, War of the Three Gods uh, and the Rise of Islam, which of course uh, always in the news. Um, I've also well, it should be out already, but is not. Uh, nothing to do with me. It's my publisher's fault. Uh, <laughs> a second book on uh, Constantius the uh, Second, which should be say supposed to be out before Christmas, but. Uh, uh, my fingers are not crossed because I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, oh, well, that would have been a great stocking stuffer. So they need. To yeah, that. That, that's that's the real problem with it. Uh, it was supposed to be out at the end of September. Uh, now it's supposed to be out at the end of November, and I'd say uh, I still haven't seen it. So uh, it, it's 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 very much not going to happen. I don't think, but <laughs> uh, uh, it is going to happen at some stage. And uh, my third book is sort of uh, uh, in very much in uh, pencil and paper form. Uh, it's on the Emperor Zeno, uh, yep. but again, it's it's it's. Probably due in maybe 2017, uh, maybe maybe the following year. Got stuff how- going on, baby. Besides this here, beautiful. There's podcast. always stuff, there's always things to do. Yeah. Um, before we roll into our next uh, period of history, we'll quickly recap on uh, and you can guys can go check this out. Um, go back if you want to get the full story. But um, we did about two hours on the Greco-Persian Wars, um, which the movies 300 and 300 Rise of an Empire are based on. They are episodes 13 and 14 of this program. Um, If anybody out there um, who maybe some of our more esteemed new listeners that I have been made aware of might possibly be out there listening, you know who you are. Um, If you want to go back and check us out for those other two episodes to get a full uh, serialized lead-in to what we're about to talk about, go check them out. Um... Now, we're about to cover the Peloponnesian Wars, the conflicts that broke out after the Greco-Persian conflict, but leading into the rise of Macedon, where a certain very famous figure comes from. But the rise of Macedon and the, the takeover of that very famous individual might not, you know, you drop a pebble in the water, the ripples change things, you know, far away. I mean, who knows if this guy would have come to power, if Macedon would have developed, who knows what would have happened without the vacuum that's created by the Peloponnesian Wars like we're going to cover today. Um, 
it changed changed a lot and kind of in a way was a bit ruinous for the you know the old great empires from in the classical period like we were talking about um Athens Sparta etc um but oddly this is kind of a a topic that is not really covered a whole lot or that people um really think of when they when they talk about the highlights of history um what why do you think that is and why is it important to for us to cover this um it's one of the it's it's, it's quite strange is that it's it's i don't know whether it's anything to do with uh how the great democracy of uh, Athens is portrayed and actually acts during this period. It's not maybe something that uh, people want to uh, maybe want to deal with as much because they 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 are they have been pretty much very quickly become Athens becomes the villain of the piece and maybe don't mm-hmm. people don't want to hear that uh, this great democracy was uh, the villain. They're quite happy to focus on Periclean Athens and the great the great era of building and all the the great uh, monuments that are built in Athens. Uh, and and to be honest, a lot of history, particularly classical history, will focus more on uh, the stuff that's still around. So if we're able to show, and say that you can go and look at the Parthenon uh, and see that this was built around this time with the, uh, but they won't maybe talk in a great amount of detail about where all of this money came from. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, yeah. this money was. Uh, I'm not going to say stolen, but I, I will use the word appropriated. Yeah. Uh, from allies of Athens, and uh, and I say allies again, quickly becomes a very, very big inverted commas after a period of time. Yeah, yeah, uh, allies, allies turn into. Uh, yeah, it's subject allies. I think, yeah, is, yeah. I think is the best way to put it. Uh, some of them are a bit more subject than allies, uh, but it's that kind of it's this, this period in between, uh, sort of the the lead up to the Peloponnesian War, which is uh, uh, again it just 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 doesn't. It, it's, Athens is good. And does a lot of good things, but then you you can still you can see the uh, we kind of want to rule all of this. Uh, and again, the, our other other problem is it's it's just lack of sources. Uh, yeah, we only have really the but, one but, the history but, but, of the Peloponnesian War by yeah, two cities. Yeah, we've got we've sort of one one and a half. Yeah, uh, we've got Herodotus does bits and pieces, and we have we're lucky in a way we've got probably. If we were to make a list of the best ancient sources, uh, Thucydides uh, and his yep. history of the Peloponnesian War is uh, is right up there with possibly the best. Uh, he's I'm not going to say I'm not going to take, suggest people go out and read all of his stuff uh, because it's incredibly dry and yeah. potentially quite boring at times. And say I, I would suggest to my any any people I'm teaching about uh, Thucydides that it's quite pedantic. He's very it's very wordy, but it, it is really proper analytical history. It's the kind of it's the kind of history that we would even look now, two thousand five hundred years later, and look at it and go, that's very good. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. You look at Herodotus as more you talk about Herodotus as, as a bit more of a travel guide type guy who's just who's talking about the entire world. Uh he might be the first historian in inverted commas, but uh, he's not necessarily as analytical as, as we would maybe have liked him to be. Uh, that said, without that analysis, he actually gives us a far more information a lot of the time. Uh, so we have really to cut out. a shortage of of sources, and people don't really like to talk about the way that the the, the Athenian uh, Empire, so to speak, really rose and what led to this. I can I can I can dig that. I can deal that with that. Uh, why we kind of skim over this a lot of time in in, in uh, mainstream history. Um, so to set the yeah. 
But I would say though there are, there is plenty to there are, the, the Peloponnesian War itself is is talked about enough. Uh, say particularly, uh, it is it, it's it will be quite high on the agenda of uh, universities teaching about the Peloponnesian War. Uh, I would say more actually it's the it's the in between bit between our two between our Persian Wars and our Peloponnesian War that is sort of not looked at as much as much detail. Yeah, that makes it. sense. That makes sense because it, I, you know everybody knows that they. But it likes a war essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wars are easy to talk about because uh, things are happening and mm-hmm. it's quite. Uh, you've got a battle and you've maybe got. It's far more easy to go. Well, there's the battle of such and such, and the Spartans were victorious because, and the Athenians. Now, when you when you sort of look at it in a bit more detail, of uh, uh, it's, it's maybe the reason why there hasn't been a proper TV show because this is going to be. This would have to be really in depth stuff uh, to talk about the the fifty years in between and say, well, how has Athens become this great imperial power and how have Sparta let it happen and uh, why has it happened and are the Persians not stopping a lot of this and it's it's a lot of very deep uh, sort of uh, and to say things happening all over the place uh, it's a lot it's a, I'm not going to say it's hard to teach and hard to talk about but it's 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 certainly harder to talk about than than your average uh, yeah than you know and, say our last who, subject who, who doesn't want to talk about the battle of Thermopylae yeah uh, yeah exactly uh, exactly Igonidas being the great uh, the great hero the great conquering hero well dying hero as we say uh, it's that kind of it's it's far more those things people find that far more and then to be honest they're, they're quite right to find those a bit more interesting uh, because it's it's easier to uh, to relate to this is a great sort of I mean well I don't think too many of us have ever seen an army of two hundred thousand marching towards us but uh, I thought well I'll, I'll take that head on uh, so yeah. that, it's that kind of uh, that lends itself very well to 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 uh, to talking about in movies and that kind of thing whereas looking at the politics of Sparta Athens. Corinth uh, of the the four fifties are maybe a little less easily talked about and easily portrayed uh, than uh, see it's it's just it's just a different kind of just a different kind of history. But as I say, when we look at all this, we actually find that there's uh, some far more. I mean, there's far more interesting things in there than that maybe get glossed over. Again, maybe again because our sources aren't great. We're just yep. we just we know things happened, but we don't necessarily know. Why they happened, how they happened, uh, in as much detail as we really like. So they set our scene. They've just beaten Persians back. Persians are going home. Uh, this starts off as uh, Athens uh, forming a forming a league and saying we're going to continue to uh, harass the Persians. We're going to continue to push. We're going to continue to push them back into their territory. Attack them with a with a, what started as a, a league of allies. Um, and developed into later something that uh, greatly concerned, you know, the other side of of Greece, which would be uh, the Spartans and their allies. Um, how did we how did we go break down the the, the period of time known as you're gonna have to help me with this name Penteconte? Well, how does he say it? I would go with Penteconteatia. It's a it's a term that was used for a period in ancient Greek Greece, um, where it was the defeat of the second Persian invasion, which we ended off on last time in 479. Then that led to the beginning of the Peloponnesian War in 431. Um, this was basically a, a gradual time of uh, Athens employing all these other allies in a group called the Delian League, um, and they continued the war. Um, they experienced a lot of successes. Um, and established themselves, you know, it's kind of because Spartan, the Spartans and their allies kind of fell back. 
Athens continue the war. Well, while you're doing this, you're you're expanding you're expanding your retinue. You're expanding your um, military ability. You're you know obviously boosting up your your treasury because you're kicking ass and taking names, and that's how that worked back then. How did we go from a league? from allies to Athens getting stronger and stronger and then kind of, you know, looking looking down at them like, you know, yeah, we're friends, we're allies, but you better uh, go ahead and, 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 you know, hook us up because we're the biggest bully on the block to their allies. How did, how did we go from a league getting together to continue the fight against their sworn enemies to eventually this turns into uh, Athens being being the big boy and looking like something that was a bit of a threat? Well, there's really sort of two threats, two strands at the beginning of this. Anyway, uh, at the very beginning, straight after the the big battle at, uh, at Plataea and the second, the other battle at Macalai, where the sort of final in inverted commas defeats of the Persians, um, not all of the Persians had gone home. Uh, there are Persian garrisons scattered around the north uh, of the north of the Aegean uh, and on some of the islands as well, and the Greeks wanted to free all of this. And straight at the outset, uh, the Spartans had no real problem with uh, going along with this. The Sparta is still the leader, leader of the of the uh, of the Greek League at this time, and uh, goes and uh, sort of uh, sort of leads, looks to lead, uh, but quickly is sort of revealed to be completely ill-suited for it. Uh, essentially, is what it comes down to. Um, the, 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 Greek, the Greeks want to go and uh, free. Uh, uh, a place called Sestos, which is in northern Greece, yeah. and the Athenians, or the, sorry, the Spartans, really, along with a lot of their Peloponnesian allies, really, I don't want to say they don't care, but it's 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 pretty close to that. Uh, they don't really fancy uh, going uh, beyond or going further away. They've they've, they've defended Greece, yeah. uh, and it's really enough for them. Whereas a lot of a lot of people who had uh, enrolled in the sort of the Greek alliance. Uh, Weren't necessary. Were actually directly in the way of a lot of this Persian uh, aggression, and they were sort of still thought that uh, the Greek ideas of going to free all of these Greeks was uh, the sort of big, uh, sort of big thing to do with it. Um, also, again, because Corinth and the Peloponnesian League of Sparta in general doesn't really show any interest in taking the lead. Uh, of course, Sparta had no real navy to speak of, and a lot of this is to, is very far away. Um, we're left with. Uh, them looking for another leader, um, well, and, and it's to the fact also that Sparta really wasn't that interested in the whole deal to begin with. It wasn't until you know yeah, they became they're, they're, clear that it was very serious, and you know if the Mystocles came and they had their conversation like, "Hey, we're all pretty much fucked if you guys don't come help us." So <laughs> it, once they've eliminated the main threat, they're not trying to go running around, you know, working the Indies, so to speak. Yeah, once 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 they sort of threat to Greece itself. Uh, and really, actually, southern Greece is gone. The the Spartans are far less interested. Uh, now, to be fair to them, they do try, and as well, uh, well before we get to it, before we get to it, they they do try and don't particularly do a very good job. Yeah. Uh, so, shockingly, the uh, it's one of the things again that the Spartans don't particularly like. Uh, but again, you have to sort of put yourself in the the Spartan mindset and the Spartan ideas behind all of this. They, uh, it's easy to judge them for not being interested in helping a lot of Greeks, but really. Sparta's not set up for it at all. No, because uh, there's only like eight thousand people. <laughs> like, there's yeah, not. Yeah. There's... Very, very few, very few people. Uh, no, uh, no navy to speak of. Once Corinth sort of showed that it wasn't really interested, 
uh, there was no real Peloponnesian uh, navy either. Uh, and also, if the Spartans leave, if the Spartans leave for a, a long period of time, uh, their slaves at home their were, will take over. were yeah. liable to revolt at any stage. Once again, uh, so we, we have to, we have to really, review for really everybody. Blame them for that. Yeah, you have to review for everybody. You know, put into perspective exactly how the whole Spartan thing worked. They weren't really, um, they weren't really set up to be a army that 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 was expeditionary. Um, no. They were set up to defend their home. There's only 8,000, 10,000 total um, that all are in the city. They're all enlisted in the military. What was the slave population? What was it, like 6 to 1 or something like that? Minimum. Yeah. yeah. Their, six to, their, their slave population is is by far outnumbers the amount of Spartan, you know, Spartan citizens. So a constant threat, a constant fear in Spartan um, in Spartan life was that the slaves were going to revolt and then everything would be flipped upside down. They only kept things going because they had such a grip on these slaves. So, okay, they finally pull out the Spartans from their town or from their area to come help with this great Persian invasion that's going to take over all of Greece. But it was only... Something had to be that big of a serious threat to get them to go away from their homes and defend something other than just specifically Sparta because of the way they had things set up with the uh, you know much larger slave population with the way with the entire way they had did things so it's easy to judge them and say well you guys left and that's how Athens took over and that's how all of this happened but it was it was the way things were set up for Spartans for Sparta like there really wasn't much room for anything else to for this to go this way than them having to be like, okay, well, we neutralized the big threat. That was the only reason we got into this. Now we're heading back. Yeah. And then, of course, the other the other side of that question is, uh, did the other Greeks really want Sparta uh, to be in command? Yeah. Um, yeah. Straight away at the very beginning, of course they did. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you're in the middle Spartan. of a fight, uh, we really want the Spartans, the Spartans to be up front. But after they that... They, they have the man, they, well, they have the best manpower. They have um, the Peloponnesian League has got a lot of uh, a lot of manpower, a lot of ships. Uh, but then, what happens when Sparta actually does take command of some of these uh, expeditions and uh, quickly shows themselves again? It's one of these a great fear of Spartan uh, of Sparta of Sparta itself is sending its own kings abroad. Yeah. And uh, as we see, say the the career of Pisanias post Plataea mm-hmm. uh, is sort of the archetypal Persian, or sorry, the archetypal Spartan uh, Spartan king goes abroad uh, and makes a complete pig's ear out of it. And uh, really it's this, this idea that he, uh, at home he is sort of first among equals, uh, but when he goes abroad he's a king. Uh, he's the yep. Spartan king, uh, even though there's two of them, he's the Spartan king, and he goes abroad and starts to be treated like a king, uh, and I say being treated like a king is a, is in the in this part of the war in this time period is as a is the Persian emperor uh, as the Persian king we are the king of kings you are seen as this great uh, leader and basically these guys get corrupted by uh, the benefits of being an Ori- be, being a monarch uh, since so all these trappings of of Orientalism and uh, money and Sort of corruption Luxury quickly and, takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, quickly takes it, and it's it's, it's Posanias is the one. Uh, it's, it's which sort of it's it's his sort of post Plataea uh, uh, actions up in up around Byzantium, which is of course later becomes Constantinople and then yes. uh, yeah. uh, Istanbul. 
uh, he goes with a small squadron there to uh, uh, to again continue the fight. It's to get the it's to get the Persians out because the part of the, these are these are parts of uh, northern Greece and uh, the northern Aegean where they, they there are still Persians about yeah. uh, Persians garrisons all over the place. And uh, he, unsurprisingly, as the victor of Plataea, he's very successful on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, as it comes to uh, actually leading. Uh, leading these people afterwards, he uh, quickly shows himself to be uh, sort of uh, uh, increasingly oppressive uh, towards the Greeks and uh, sort of ruins not only his but uh, the Spartan the reputation. Spartan reputation but, in general. So but, they're uh, like, hey, we're trying to go back home. This is what we came here for. It's done. And on the other hand, you have people like Posnius acting a fool out on the road. And they're like, well, if you guys want to leave, then uh, we want you to leave too because. Yeah. This is done. Like, okay, cool. Can't have this guy leading. We can't yeah. have it. You, you lot are. Uh, you've basically well, where uh, it just looks like we are replacing the Persian emperor with a Spartan emperor who is just equally yeah. as oppressive, uh, and isn't really. We're not free at all. Uh, and this is where you see, see a lot of these uh, Greek city states were looking now uh, to Athens, and well, they were well, not really dis, not really, maybe not specifically to Athens at the beginning. They were looking for somebody else to help them, and Athens becomes sort of the the natural leader because she's the biggest fleet. Uh, she's the one. She has Themistocles' fleet. He built the two hundred ships yeah. uh, that won the Battle of Salamis, held the Persians off at Artemisium, uh, and this is basically now. Well, actually, the Athenians are the only ones left. Who, if the Corinthians are not going to help, uh, then they're the next we biggest we biggest somebody. bully on that's blocked. Yeah, the, to look to the leadership. Next, yeah, some competent leadership, and then competent leadership helps as well. Uh, the Athenians had a, for well, basically for the next 50 years now, have a string of really competent leaders. Uh, we've got again, at this time it's Cimon, uh, the son of Miltiades, who is the who's the victor at Marathon, which we talked about in yep. our our first our first podcast. Uh, and this is sort of Cimon comes on the scene as this sort of well, basically somebody who's as militarily adept as somebody like as uh, as somebody like Pisanias, uh, but uh, isn't a king. Uh, yeah. And he, uh, this is sort of again the, the the Greeks they continue to add on these extra uh, successes uh, and sort of uh, it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly that uh, Athens if they, if there is going to be a continuation of uh, fighting against the Persians and maybe trying to free the Ionian Greek cities uh, that it's going to have to be Sparta or, sorry, sorry it's going to have to be Athens that, does, uh, that has yeah. to be the, that has to be sort of the leader uh, although the leader at this time is sort of again first among equals uh, they are. It's very much still the Delian League, which is saving all these people enroll in the Delian League as a sort of as it's voluntary. Uh, it's a voluntary alliance, um, and I say this, it's it's that kind of uh, sort of that's really how the transition happens. Uh, I don't know if the Athenians really set out to get it, but it's uh, sort of as you say, as the uh, the only one, the only other viable option that is left after Pisanias uh, makes a pig's ear of it and. Uh, Gets sent home and uh, say, "I know he's one of your favourite uh, characters." Uh, was it the? Was it, I think your own favourite. Your the the best heel turn in uh, yeah in history. Uh, and as he t- goes from the great victor at Plataea to uh, another, basically a monster in about uh, in about two years. Yeah, and uh, ends up with a rather spectacular death, uh, and a death that haunts Sparta for the the next. Well, let's go ahead and uh, while we're, I mean, because you know, people are gonna be, like, oh, that that sounds interesting. Now, what I, I need to preface that one up, haven't I? Yeah. What I need to preface this with is once again, you guys try to understand, try to really have some sort of insight into how 
isolated and how different and how unique Spartan culture was. Where you're talking about first among equals, you're talking about, you know, you live a, a really hard life where you're basically going to basic training when you're fucking eight years old. You're spending all your life as a soldier on the march, military training. There's almost little to nothing in the way of comfort or luxury or anything. You lead an extremely hard life, and that's all you know. So, you know, think of think of to yourself that, you know, say you're, you're taken, you're putting in a prison when you're eight years old, and all you do in this prison all day every day is push-ups, sit-ups, workout, military training. This is all you know. Stone beds, stone beds, stone walls, being taught how to kill. That's all you do for your whole entire life. And then, one day, you get this great military victory, and while you're in the area, you say, hey, what is that building over there that says Taco Bell on the outside of it? And then you go have Taco Bell, and you're like, wow, this is really fucking good. This is a lot better than the, the rice and, and mackerel that I've been getting for my entire life. Hey, what's that place over there? Hey, that's, that's a Dairy Queen. I kind of like ice cream. This is pretty awesome. Hey, what's this over here? Oh, what are massages? What is a, what's a real bed? What's, you know, this is the, this is what you have to put into perspective. So while, yes, it's a huge heel turn and it sounds crazy now, how could he do that? How could this great Spartan general switch over to the bad guy side? It's, it's, it's hard to imagine, you know, you see these documentaries where people literally cannot function because they're so institutionalized in their own style of life. When you put somebody in you know, solitary confinement or in prison for 10, 12, 15 years, they don't, they can't, they don't know how to act. They don't know how, their mind is completely blown when they get out. When people who are in the modern military are, you know, on long deployments uh, in war, um, who have spent their whole entire life institutionalized with structure and doing things a certain way, they literally can't function when they get out. So you take that and what we understand about that with people and then times it times one million back then because there was literally not even a conceptual idea of what this other stuff, this other ways of life was like because they just had never seen it or done it or felt it because once again you're completely isolated to your little area of Greek if you're Spartans because that's your whole deal that's your life is defending Sparta and keeping slaves in line so you have no even idea even conceptually of what this is it's hard to to put it into proper perspective for today but go ahead Mr. Crawford sir go ahead and tell us about Posnius and what, what happened there well, the Spartans, the Spartans realize that uh, he's made a complete pig's ear out of it uh, and is, is ruining their reputation. Well, I mean, uh, what did he do? What, how did he... Tell us about this heel turn. He, they were, he was victorious, the victorious general at Plataea. Yeah. Then what, what happened after that? Well, he, he gets sent to... Uh, he, he goes on a sort of uh, small expedition to, uh, again, to Byzantium to... Uh, again, it's to, it's to continue the fight. It's to the, a spot, there's a Persian garrison there that needs to be eliminated, and again, he proves himself... Uh, capable of uh, defeating the Spartans and takes uh, takes Byzantium, and uh, but then doesn't really free the Greeks and sort of in the inverted commas to say that's sort of the, the cry of it all uh, becomes very oppressive. Uh, sort of again just treats them like his basically acts like what you would imagine a tyrant would act like, uh, and to say not what a Spartan king would act like. Uh, he's just he just orders people around and to say no freedom of of movement and. Uh, he starts apparently to uh, go around in Persian dress, go around with a Persian bodyguard, uh, again, 
supposedly even intrigues at the Persian court. Uh, yeah. He becomes so medized, which is uh, becomes a Persian, it comes becomes Persian leaning supposedly in such a short period of time that it is it is it is really sort of wrestling swerve. Uh, didn't see that coming at all. He was say, the great hero, and all of a sudden he's the great villain. It's uh, it's Bash at the Beach '96 type thing. It's uh, he really sort of goes. Uh, all you Spartans can stick it, brother. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Actually, wait. Well, see, how I did can... that? How did that transition occur? Like, what it, was it? Just from having contact with with the Persians through war? Yeah, or... I, I think that's kind of what it is. It is this idea that, it's, like you said, he's. Uh, an institutionalized Spartan who has had gruel for every meal of his day, every meal of his life, for uh, well, basically his entire life since probably he was about eight, and uh, now he's been given wealth. And I mean, again, the Spartans had no money. Spartans, Spartan money was iron bars. Yeah, a wheelbarrow to carry your money around with you. Uh, excuse me. And he, again, it's just this trappings of. Fame and fortune is the say the corruption of fame yeah. and fortune seems to get to uh, say all these people. He goes to I mean when he's in these with those Greeks they will treat him like a king, uh, and I mean the Spartans did not treat him like a king. He was the Spartan mm, king, okay. but he was yeah just Spartan. Another Spartan. Still, still in Spartan, yeah, still yeah, in Spartan just culture. Spartan. Yeah, uh, he just he might have been a very well bred and had a nice lineage about him, but uh, he was he was still just a Spartan commander. It's the same reason why the acts of Leonidas have to go and do the fighting because. He's a Spartan. Yeah. He might be king, but he's a Spartan. Uh, it's a different, sort of the complete opposite to the Persian king. The Persian king is the Persian king. He's not. Yeah. Uh, he's not a Persian like everybody else. He's again like they sort of showed in uh, uh, or tried. Well, blew up big time in the uh, in three hundred and uh, it was uh, this god king. Yeah. That's the that's the way they went about their sort of and that's what that's the sort of what rubs off on uh, on Pisanias that these guys are as a king. I can be. I can be wealthy oh and yeah. have what I like and do so what I like. Try to, just try to imagine it like that, everybody listening out there. You know, you see Leonidas in the first movie. He's basically just the lead, the lead grunt, really. He's dressed like everybody else. They barely got no clothes on. They don't got nothing. They're just badass fighters. That's a hard, hard life to live. Then you look up there and you see this throne that's fucking 27 feet high, and he's got all this silk and gold all over him, and he's a god king. You can't expect everybody to be Leonidas. You can't expect... Human beings are human beings. You can't expect everyone to go from one of the hardest lives that there is, besides being a fucking slave, and looking at a god king who has all these crappings, all this luxury, all the, and think to yourself, you know what? I might kind of like that. That looks kind of nicer than what I got going on for me. So It's probably the idea that he, he probably didn't even go looking for it. It was yeah. one of these things where he was in Byzantium, and all those people had just been had just dealt with him, and then probably some of these guys that would have dealt directly with Xerxes as he came through the Hellespont. And this is how you treat a king. And they started yeah. treating Posanias as a king, and he started going, "Oh, what are you doing? What's, where's that? What's all this nice food? I've never had never had dates before. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, yeah. oh figs. Ooh, those are all nice and spiced. And all of a sudden, it just sort of goes well. And he starts to maybe decide that he needs to have all of this yeah. rather than. Well, then it was a nice treat, uh, and then, again, this is what Sparta fears has feared all the time. And again, it's the kind of like thing where you go, out. yeah, yeah, it's it's the kind of thing where you go, ah, that's just that's just Sparta being overcautious. And then you see a, a king going out to fight, and say literally within two years he has become the worst of the worst. Yeah, uh, just because he has become so. You say this the this there must have been a real shock to his psyche that he was being now treated like something other than. Uh, 
just to say a Spartan leader. He was a Spartan leader, and I mean king. He was a king, but he was a Spartan leader. He was a leader on the field. Uh, he was supposed to do all the that the leaders do all the fighting. Whereas when you get to the more Oriental idea, the leaders lead, and the leaders are uh, they they get they show off their leadership by all their riches and all their uh, basically having everything that no nobody else has. Whereas a Spartan king had very little compared to very little more compared to anybody else. And um and, uh, and you know they say that it happens in modern day. You don't got to look far. How often do we say that that fame and fortune you know ruins yeah. people that I'll changes people? Now change that times one million when you're talking about if you took you know if you took some person in a impoverished third world country that doesn't have drinking water on a daily basis and you turn them into you know an overnight pop music star or whatever gave them millions and millions of dollars and mansions they wouldn't know how to act they're not necessarily going to turn them mean or bad but it's just hard to put into perspective how big of a change this would be for they somebody don't, they, it's, they don't know how to act it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's this kind of it's a different there's a completely different sort of set of rules to people and that that, that comes like completely alien uh, so you see all of these sort of you talk about all these pop divas and all it's the same kind of thing uh, you look at the likes of I mean say Justin Bieber and all that kind of his, his actions and people say what's he doing I says well he literally doesn't know any better it's this kind of idea that he's been vastly rewarded I mean dra- basically dragged up by of it's like not quite the gutter but I mean not I mean yeah, comparatively being a normal guy yeah yeah, he, he 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 was he was just a kid, a normal kid who was just a normal kid, and all of a sudden he's one of the richest pop stars in the world. This is a, and this is a, this is a hallmark moment of this show. We've managed to to compare Spartan a Spartan general to Justin Bieber. I'm all about this. So yeah. what, yeah, ends up, that, when, what ends up what ends up what ends up becoming old, of our yeah? It's the old absolute power. Absolute yeah. power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. It's that. It's the same kind of thing. Fame and fate is that you can just you can just uh, 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 change power for fame. Uh, fame corrupts, and fate, absolute fame corrupts absolutely. It's the same. It's the same kind of idea, and this is what's happened to Pisanias. It just is very straight. It just sort of is a, a real textbook version of it. It just happened so quickly. I yeah. just say literally. Say I think it's I think it's four seven eight. I mean he's in he's up in he's up in uh, Byzantium uh, making a mess of everything. And, so uh, what what to be to be fair to the Spartans, they they know he's making a mess of it. Yeah. So what ends up what ends up becoming of old Posnius Bieber? Uh, he uh, well, the, the Spartans recall him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They hear all these uh, all these uh, charges that he's been wearing Persian dress, uh, has a Persian uh, bodyguard. Uh, supposedly, is even intriguing that the Persian court is maybe again showing again that the Spartans and and Pisanius himself had no real sort of understanding of Greek liberty. He basically didn't care. Uh, that the Greeks were free, so he was. There was some suggestion that he was going to uh, help the Persians enslave Greece as long as Sparta was able to stay uh, in, in command. In fact, there's even some. It even goes a bit further than that. It suggests that he might even have been looking to uh, basically sell sell mm-hmm. uh, sell out Sparta itself. He's been yeah. quite happy to be basically the Persian uh, satrap of yeah, Greece. The Persian satrap uh, yeah. of Greece. This, yeah. this is the idea. The idea that this is what suggests. There's absolutely no evidence for it, but. Uh, yeah. This was the sort of this was the this was the accusations against him. Uh, so he goes back to Sparta and is stood stands trial for all of these accusations and is acquitted because again there's no uh, there's no evidence for it. Yeah. Uh, but there, there's clearly something the Spartans didn't like about what they saw from Pisanias because mm-hmm. uh, despite the fact he is still Pisanias he's still the victor of Plataea. Uh, Sparta at this time is still sort of interested in leading part of at least part of the 
uh, the Greek league against uh, against the Persians. Uh, but he's not given a new command. Uh, he is uh, basically left to not left, left to rot, but basically he's not given anything to do. Uh, but he couldn't deal with that, so uh, he hires his own ship and goes back uh, to Byzantium, where he supposedly had set up this small city-state of his own, uh, and tries starts conquering uh, neighboring uh, cities. The city conquers Sestos mm-hmm. uh, and gradually enlarges his control over. The Celians, uh, which is say again, the Celians all the way to the Straits of Gallipoli, the uh, the Hellespont, which is all the the lifts up the Black Sea, uh, which are becoming increasingly important at this stage for Athens, uh, and this is where his uh, basically his his trouble starts because he's now starting to influence the uh, the grain routes. Uh, a lot of grain comes from what is now the Crimea, and uh, Athens is a big part of that. Yeah. And uh, this draws Athens' attention with him being again being basically a a regional king again, yep. king of Byzantium, uh, had conquered Sestos, uh, and the Athenians send Cimon, uh, son of Miltiades, uh, to drive him out of Sestos and to drive him out of uh, Byzantium as well. Um, he's recalled again. I mean, the Spartans again know that something really bad is happening. Yeah, this is this uh, is not good for for the yeah. territory. Yeah. yeah, but this this time this time he's this time he uh, he is uh, he looks to get out by bribery because this time he's guilty yeah uh, he's not uh, he's not innocent this time he is uh, supposedly he uh, bri- he's, he bribes a lot of the, the Spartan higher ups or tries to uh, and again supposedly even intrigues with the with the helots who are the Spartan yes yeah, so he mean he really was he knew he was guilty mm-hmm. uh, supposedly in a, in a conversation with uh, in a, a temple he was uh, sort of tricked into admitting that he was guilty yeah uh, and then he flees to a, a temple of Athena, uh, which is again one of the things that sort of obvious sort of straight people find strange is there's a temple of Athena in Sparta. Yeah. <laughs> so again, these go- the gods are everywhere, uh, and the Spartans uh, brick them up, uh, brick up the walls, yep, and they brick, brick up, up the, the doors, leave uh, his ass in there, yep, and uh, basically starve him to death. Uh, not quite death, but uh, essentially, yeah, he's going to die. Yes who won the battle, Plataea, he goes over, he gets to Byzantium, Turkey, very nice little area, he gets up with some with some Persian influence, sees what that's like, decides he likes luxury a little bit, there's a lot of rumors going around, Athens is like, hey, what the hell, this guy's trying to, you know, supposed to be the leader of the Greeks, he's acting kind of Persian, he's being a fucking asshole to all these Greeks that we just freed, um, Sparta, you need to do something about this, he gets brought back to Sparta, he gets out of it the first time, but now he knows that they know that he knows that he's acting up. So then he goes out, decides he's going to fully, you know what, if that's what they want to say that I am, then I guess that's what I am. And he starts taking over the little areas around there. The problem becomes even more exacerbated. He's brought back again. He, it's obvious now that he's guilty through some shenanigans backstage. It gets revealed that it's pretty clear that he's guilty. So then he says, well, I'm going to run away and go hide in the temple because they can't kill me in a temple I can't die in a temple so he goes and runs away goes in the temple and then they're like oh is that what you want to do and they brick up the temple and then he's left there he's obviously basically starved to death they drag him out before he's actually clinically dead um, because he can't die in a temple although you know we're talking history here so quote unquote wink wink yeah we dragged him out before he actually died in there well (laughs) I mean that's what I would say too. If nobody was allowed to die in a temple, and that's what had happened. So, um, 
this giant heel turn. This is, you know, a hallmark thing where it's like it's blatantly clear now that the, the Spartans do not need to be uh, in charge or leading anything like this. And on, and on a, you know, the bottom line is they didn't really want to be anyways. And this is one of the reasons because this this happens with their generals sometimes. So that is how Athens takes complete control over this Delian League and leads the charge. Um, they're winning victories all over the place. They're busting the Persians' asses. Um, how does how do we transition from a league to Athens isn't just the leaders of this league. But Athens ends up becoming like this is like, hey, we run this whole shit. You're not our allies anymore. You're underneath us. How does how do we transition to that? Well, it's it's the whole idea that. Uh... Originally, this league become as as a uh, as a voluntary thing. It's about the leagues. You can only you only have to join this league voluntarily. Uh, the Athenians only really sort of uh, build this league up. Uh, what becomes the Delian League uh, after Sparta uh, continually tries to actually. Uh, Pisanias isn't the end of uh, Spartan command of uh, of the the Greek alliance. Uh, they do try to uh, continue it, but at least two other generals, uh, one other king, and at least another general. Go, almost goes the same way as uh, as Pausanias. Uh, there's a Spartan expedition to northern Greece, uh, which uh, sees their king bri- flagrantly take bribes uh, wow. to do to do to to do other things. That's Leo to Tides. Um I think there's another man called Dorcas. I think maybe he goes to. Uh, he <laughs> where, goes that's to where that term comes from? You found well, Dorcas. <laughs> uh, he goes to. He goes back to the Hellespont and back to basically. Uh, uh, Pisanias' old haunts and does exactly the same thing. <laughs> just uh, he tries to he tries to replace Pisanias and uh, basically the the Greeks just say no, that's not going to happen. Uh, Sparta still then tries to throw a weight around with the Hellenic League itself, uh, and essentially the league just goes no chance. Uh, the Athenians are they turn to Themistocles, who's again the master of uh, manipulating the whole thing, yeah. uh, and they end up uh, say with Athenian leadership and inverted commas. Uh, there's also some. There's, there's actually a there's a battle against the Spartans at this stage as well, uh, showing basically again how badly the Spartans had uh, had managed the whole had thing. Botched the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, the the Argives the Argives ar- uh, emerge from their slumber to uh, uh, to uh, and, uh, ally with another uh, place called Tegea, which is again a very Spartan type place. And uh, although they're defeated, uh, it sort of it doesn't quite it doesn't break Spartan power, but it certainly does sort of. Uh, it's a very sort of big poke in the eye of Sparta. It's a sort of yeah, you're you're really not in any shape to be, uh, to be leading this league, controlling anything. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't you can't even you can't deal with your shit at home. So why can you deal with uh, uh, and you can't deal with your generals away from home? So you're really not in any shape to be uh, to be leading this league. Um, the Athenians just become leaders, not quite by default, but essentially because they're the only ones with another with a navy and. Uh, this for they, 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 do we say that this league is very much is very it's far more what's the word for it organized than just a sort of alliance of uh, this was a sort of properly enrolled uh, almost sort of anti-pirate anti-Persian company uh, and rather than yeah. just a just a, a just state saying oh well we'll help uh, we'll do this we'll do that these guys are uh, there is a there's a very famous there's a list of all the people who have uh, enlisted in this uh, in this uh, in this navy, all these people that are going to serve and going to provide uh, 
or then they then once they, once they've uh, once they've enlisted, uh, they then end up uh, they get um, sort for it. Uh, the Athenians look at what they're going to provide for this league because obviously there's something they were talking about. Uh, states as big as Athens and yeah. islands the size of Lesbos and Thesos uh, who have their own navies yeah. but we're also talking about little city states which are cities in the very much the western America idea of a city they just call everything a city even though yeah. it's no bigger than my back garden uh, it's that kind of idea there's maybe only 500 inhabitants yeah. uh, but it's called a city uh, and, has un- and has enrolled uh, in the Athenian League or the sorry in the Delian League and so the Roman, they, they've, the Athenians have to go about what are they going to, uh, how are they going to, uh, so how are they going to uh, help this league? Uh, so some of them will pay uh, taxes, will, yeah. pay, will, will pay money. Some will pay, one will, some will provide, uh, uh, say it's either cash or ships, essentially, uh, from the And there's 150 members of this of this league, and again, it's voluntary. These people are. These Greeks are quite are obviously are looking to take the to continue fighting the Persians, and uh, it's all very stratified. There's a uh, there's a, a place called Delos, which is a uh, yeah. an island in the middle of uh, the Aegean. Uh, it is set up as the treasury, and this is where all the meetings would be. Yeah. And every one of these states would send a member to uh, to 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 discuss policy. So at the beginning, this is not an Athenian. It's Athenian led because the Athenians have the biggest fleet. It's not Athenian sort of. They're not sort of dictating at the moment, not dictating at the beginning, yeah. anyway. Uh, but the problem is there are so many smaller things that they will look naturally to the, the strongest to uh, to actually provide them with uh, with guidance. And Athens then really is the strongest. And uh, it's around this time we start to see Athens uh, fortifying itself and really starting to pull away from Spartan leadership and looking to to, to establish herself uh, as a uh, as an actual uh, as I say a power by herself. Uh, and of course, it's all very, but it's all very strange. That this is happening at the same time. We see Themistocles is uh, ostracised at this time. Um, it's not one of these things. I'm not entirely sure why uh, this has happened. I, I, I don't really. I've read about it a few times, and I just, it's one of these ones that just sort of still boggles my mind. Uh, you've yeah, it's of... sort of vague and doesn't really make a ton of sense why it was that Themistocles got got exiled or got ostracised during this time when they were transitioning. Um... He, yeah. the, I think the big suggestion is that he's no, he doesn't really have any allies. Uh, he's very popular and very powerful as an individual, but he has no sort of backing. He has been quite happy to to keep himself powerful, and well, he's been quite happy to help Athens through his own uh, ingenuity and understanding of politics and understanding of what the league needed to do and what the Persians were going to do and all that kind of thing. And he's got at least three big enemies. Uh, there's Chemon and Aristides and Xanthippus, these guys are out to get a bit, well, not out to get him specifically, but out to get their own uh, their own influence and Chemon spot basically, yeah, yeah, and and Chemon's very much a very pro-Spartan uh, politician. He wants he wants them he wants the Athenians to uh, to be allies with the Spartans and to to, to stay alongside them and be uh, and again, say this, but basically he sees the Spartans as again will will be useful in the future. Uh, even if they are sort of retreating back to their uh, uh, back to their uh, back to their own borders, um, Themistocles again sort of he gets all the same kind of accusations as Pisanias that he was looking to sell out Greece, and they look far less sort of rigid, uh, far less sort of true when it comes to Themistocles. Uh, but he's chased out of Greece basically. He goes all over the place, 
uh, both say it's a very good quote it's a, it's a quote, quotes about sort of the saviors of Greece both uh, the hero of Salamis and the hero of Plataea are basically driven out of Greece by yeah. uh, by the Spartans and the Athenians respectively and uh, I think uh, Themistocles actually does end up at the at the court of of the Persian yeah, king the Persian and king, yeah. uh, he actually ends up as a satrap uh, I think he's, I think he serves as a satrap for uh, I want to say it's in the middle of Ionia. I think it's Magnesia. Maybe he's yeah. a satrap, of middle a middle part of Turkey. So he actually ends up as a spar- as a Persian governor uh, yeah. again, and that's where that's where he ends up dying. So that's really sort of the end of, even though he'd been sort of the father of, or I mean, they'd say the hero of Salamis and had helped found a lot of the league, they they kick him out very quickly. He's ostracised in this sort of very Athenian idea of uh, sort of elective uh, exile. Uh, they vote a ten year exile for him. But he never comes back. Um, how the Delian League sort of goes into the Athenian Empire, it's a sort of a much longer progression of, than really overnight. It's, it's probably 25 years of yeah. uh, campaigning, and it's it's, it's very successful. The, 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 the thing is, the Delian League's quite successful. Well, that's uh, and that's what I was going to cover is um, during this period of time, you know, they're they're kicking ass, they're taking names, like I said earlier, the treasury's building up, the the power of the military's building up, like things are building up, so the gap between Athens and everybody who was their ally before is just widening, and Athens is growing in power through, because, you know, like all great empires back in the day did, I mean, how do you grow in power, how do you keep getting bigger and better and improving, it's through war, so they're running these campaigns with all these little guys helping them out, and they're just becoming bigger and bigger, and the gap is widening and widening. Uh, It's Kimon takes the lead in a lot of this. He's the one that goes, uh, captures a lot. Again, essentially, there are still Persians there to be beaten. Uh, There's Persian garrisons at Ion in in northern Greece. Uh, There's a a Greek pirate, again, showing that the Dedan League wasn't just about the Persians. It's actually, I get they'd actually go and fight pirates as well. Yeah. so that they 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 caught the conquest of an island called Skyros, which is say is held by Greeks. Um, although people would hold this up that this is not exactly anti-Persian, which is what the Delian League is supposed to be. But then the these Greek pirates were attacking Greek settlements, so uh, I don't know. I don't think the likes of some of these like the other islands and the other city states were going to complain too much that these no. Greeks had been had been killed. Uh, and one of the big things that sort of helps. Kimon's reputation at this time, and probably the kind of thing that helps him get rid of uh, Themistocles in the end, uh, is that the, when he con- when he conquers Skyros, uh, he supposedly re- he recovers a set of bones, and these bones are claimed to be those of Theseus, the great oh, wow. mythological king of Athens, yeah. uh, who died, who was who was buried on Skyros supposedly, and this idea that uh, sort of this was a great the re- repatriation of these bones. Uh, basically solidified Kimon as uh, as sort of the next the next big general. Um, unfortunately, as I say we we there's a lot of these parts of there's a lot there's some periods of time where we we don't really know anything. Uh, the conquest of Skyros is about four seven three, and we don't really hear very much else until four six eight. Uh, we sort of jump to what's called the Battle of Eurymedon, uh, which is supposedly the final defeat of Persia. Uh, this is where the league's actually doing its job, and say again, you can't really call it the Athenian Empire. Uh, the Delian League's actually taking the fight uh, to the Athenian or to the Persians at this time, and uh, the Greek, the Greek fleet, which again Athenian led, uh, goes to uh, Eurymedon's quite a long, quite a long way around the 
uh, the Turkish coast. It's all I, mean, I think actually it's almost almost Cyprus. So when we're not, okay. it's not just down the street here. Um, and they, the Greeks uh, defeat two Persian fleets, uh, then land and defeat the Persian army as well, uh, which which frees all the Greek cities of uh, Asia Minor, which are sort of the western coast of now Turkey, as well as some non-Greeks as well. There's some non-Greek states around there that are that are granted their freedom, uh, sort of one of these whether they liked it or not type. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, you're free from Persian domination now. Oh, great. Um, yeah, but what happens when the Persians come back? Uh, well, tough. That's yeah, 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 yeah. There's a couple of, you know, there's areas, other areas that weren't necessarily Greek that were conquered by oh. the Persians, but the Greeks said, hey, we're not having Persians anywhere fucking near any of our people, so we're pushing them out of your city, too. Um, well, we're not Greek now, so I don't know what to tell you, but <laughs> have fun. You can, you can, yeah. You can be our allies, but the fact is, uh, you're getting freedom whether you like it or not. Yeah. Uh, you, maybe you don't want, maybe you don't want, it's, again, it's the sort of potential problem of the, the democratic ideas. Everybody wants freedom. Well, not necessarily. Everybody's, so a lot of people are quite happy to... Uh... Well, and like we covered in the first two episodes uh, that we did on this, uh, a lot of pe- places that were quote-unquote conquered by the Persian Empire were quite okay with it and weren't yeah, and weren't uh, unhappy with their quality of life. So... Yeah, no, it's one of these things, it's a, it's a thing we sort of it gets glossed over with a lot of. Uh, I was talking to a colleague up at uh, Queens about this recently. Is that even, even when I, in sort of fourth century Roman Empire time, uh, did it really even matter to a lot of the a lot of the locals who the emperor was, what the emperor was doing? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, you think about a region of the Roman Empire that doesn't see any action for centuries. I mean, there's very little happens in Spain for a long period of time. Yeah. Do they really care who the emperor is? No. Uh, do they? Does the person, the normal person in the street, really care who their emperor is? Because it literally makes no difference to them. And this is sort of the same with, I mean, and that's the thing with they sort of looking at the Persian Empire. I think we did talk about the, the Persian Empire not really being the sort of rigid, totalitarian empire that we sort of know. It's a, it's a kingdom of kingdoms. So a lot of these guys just either have get to keep their own king as long as he recognizes the king, the, the of, king kings of kings and as, pays tax and does what they're supposed to do. But besides yeah. that. Life's going on as as yeah, usual. The man, the, street, the man in the street doesn't care who he pays his tax to. Yeah, uh, he's just paying his tax. <laughs> That's kind of, and this is the same kind of thing here. Is, is that these guys maybe sort of look at it and go, well, actually, now we don't have the protection of the Persian fleet, and these Greeks are going to go home. So, do we really want? Are we really in any? any and are we really in any position to look after ourselves? Yeah. And actually, the answer is no, because the the Persian army is going to rock up again, and what are these guys going to do? Well, we never really wanted the freedom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The Persian king's going to say, if you help these Greeks, you help these Greeks uh, overthrow my army, yet yeah, they had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so this really, that's 468, where we sort of, again, we're sort of jumping back, you have to jump back and forward in time to sort of look at some of the things here, but uh, really in 468, the, the league hadn't, it's not that the league had done its job, it's just that really, militarily-wise for now, the job was done because the Persians were not coming. Basically, the Persians were not coming. That's <laughs> that kind of yeah. idea. The, the Persian is not on the doorstep anymore. Um, we have, though, even before this time, have seen that Athens isn't necessarily going to allow this league to be uh, voluntary. Uh, this is uh, is a sort of great idea at the beginning, uh, but what happens when people don't really... Not necessarily that they don't follow the rules, but they don't, don't really sort of follow the tune that Athens wants them to. Yeah. And there are two really good, they're really good uh, uh, examples of what uh, the problem with some of this league is. 
the first one is uh, a place called Caristos, which is a town in Euboea, which is one of the big islands that's sort of on the coast of Athens, uh, off the coast of Avatica in Athens. Um, they refuse to join the league. Uh, and again, the league's supposed to be voluntary. Uh, they refuse to join it. And really, sort of when you think about it, the Athenians sort of should really have left it be. But as the Athenians point out to Caristos, but because everybody else has joined the league, you're getting the benefits of the league because the league is, is patrolling the sea. The area, yeah. Protecting the area from the sea. And, but you're getting all the benefits of it. We're getting rid of piracy. We're getting rid of the Persians. You're getting all the benefits, but you're not paying anything. Uh, so actually, the Caristos is, is attacked by wow. by Athenian forces, uh, Athenian dealing league forces, and uh, forcibly enrolled. Uh, so <laughs> the first... Uh, you're you're joining this vo- you're joining this voluntary league, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Uh, it's this kind of idea that uh, this is this is what's going to happen. You cannot uh, you can, basically you can't have the benefits of the league without paying for the league. It's uh, a it's a uh, it's a saying we use often in my line of work. It's not mandatory, but it is highly encouraged <laughs> that you go ahead and join this league. And it will be encouraged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're going to keep encouraging you if you don't go ahead and do it of your own free will. We're going to encourage you with this big stick. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, the other the other version is then what happens when uh, somebody decides they don't want to be in the league anymore, uh, and this is what happens with one of the bigger one of the bigger islands, a place called Naxos, uh, in 469, uh, actually secedes from the league and decides that well actually uh, either the league has done enough or. We don't really care anymore. The Persians are not in the Aegean much anymore. Uh, this is only this is a year before Eurymedon, so there maybe hadn't been any Persian activity. Um, but the uh, the Athenians again says, no, no, you you cannot you cannot leave the league. Uh, again, the problem with Naxos is that it was because it was quite a big it was quite a big contributor. It probably contributed ships. Uh, only the big city states and big islands could contribute ships. So. Uh, Athens could not let this. Well, they decided they could not let this go, and uh, Naxos is attacked and uh, forced to stay in this voluntary league. <laughs> it's this, uh, the whole idea of voluntariness is sort of gone. Oh, by the way, well, because obviously the rest of the people in the league have seen what has happened here. Yeah. If you don't want to be in the league, or if you try to leave the league, well, this is what happens. So indirectly. You know, everybody else kind of has to know the score that, well, I guess it was voluntary, but it's probably not really. Yeah. It was voluntary at the start, but yeah. it quickly should. As well, he says, it quickly proves with. You can see the Athenian thinking at the beginning, with the, particularly with Charistos, is that, that if everybody else is paying for your protection, uh, why aren't you? Uh, essentially, it's this kind of thing is that a voluntary tax essentially is what these people are paying to look yeah. at to be looked after and they are being looked after it would be different if it was a protection racket that they weren't actually looking after anybody but the, the, the Athenians are clearly going after Persian garrisons going after pirates uh, to defeat the Persians and sort of free all the Ionian Greeks uh, and I say these first couple of years you can sort of see where the Athenian, the Athenian thinking is and it's why that doesn't that does look tis- distasteful it, it's not quite as bad uh, as it actually gets yeah uh, it looks on actually, page, yeah it's one of these ones where it's, it's sort of after Eurymedon, where the Persians now have been removed from the Aegean altogether. Uh, that really has removed, seemingly removed uh, the need for the, yeah. the need for the league. Uh, and we see Thasos, which is another, which is the big. I think actually is the biggest island. It's first or second, I think, 
uh, and it's one of the ones that still contributes uh, ships and has basically has a fleet of its own. Uh, nobody else has a fleet of its own really by this stage, and uh, it revolts against increasingly imperialist actions from mm-hmm. Athens. And uh, it takes two years for Kimon to uh, subdue Thesos, which again shows how powerful a lot of this is. Um, we also start to see that Athens now starts to. This is where she starts to. This is maybe into the four sixties. Uh, she starts to uh, reform uh, the league in a different sort of guise. Uh, far more member, st- far fewer member states have. Uh, uh, far fewer member states have. I uh, contribute ships because if you contribute ships, you have to contribute the men for the ships. Yeah. So the Athenians now are using getting everybody to contribute cash, and then building the ships themselves and manning it with their yeah. own men. So this okay. the now changes from having that's the difference group. between a a team and a league and now this is an empire. Yeah, this we don't is, need it, your stuff. We no. need your money to, for us to build our stuff so we you're can protect our st- protect quote unquote you. You're gonna you're gonna build our stuff for us and we'll protect you. Which again at this stage they still are they still yeah. are protecting them. But the fact is the Athenians really don't need any direction anymore. Uh, so it's. We start to see they say eventually I say the, the meetings at Delos are discontinued so because the Athenians have such a stranglehold on policy that they don't need to have this meetings. They don't need to have a meeting what, to ask you what's no. gonna happen. No, we're gonna protect you whether like it or you like it or yeah. not. We're gonna protect the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I say essentially the Athenian assembly now is making all the decisions. Uh, so we start to see this as the, the tyranny of democracy. Uh, yeah. but it's just say it's somebody else's democracy, that's the problem. Uh, it's not necessarily yours. Uh, it's another. It's another ten years before the the treasury is moved. Uh, the treasury stays at Delos, uh, but it's moved eventually in four five four, which is uh, again if the if the if the money is all in Athens, it's, it's it, that's sort of the like, this great watershed uh, where the money's not being paid to a treasury, the money's being paid to Athens, uh, and that's sort of that takes a bit longer to happen, but really it's it's essentially it's the same thing as happening. Even by four six four, we're starting to see. Uh, sort of real trouble, uh, or essentially, it's ten years, and it's 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 sort of the real fade toward the real fading towards uh, Athenian Empire has uh, has really begun. Um, as for our Peloponnesian friends, uh, they do they, there is some alarm at what's going on. Uh, they start to see that oh God, Athens has. Uh, is building building herself an empire, yeah. and uh, the, the, the Spartans and their allies start to think about you know you know we really should be intervening with Thasos because I mean the, at Thasos the the Athenians are attacking uh, a free Greek city, uh, a Greek city is on an island, and uh, they're really starting to they're starting to basically get out of hand, uh, but this is where uh, the Spartans' great nightmare uh, comes in in four six four coming to bear yeah. Uh, this is uh, well. This is another nightmare. This is the sort of the nightmare at home. Yeah. Uh, there's a massive earthquake uh, in southern Greece, and uh, as an earthquake is a sign from the gods, uh, the helots decide to revolt uh, in oh, four. four. Uh, and this is uh, this is a disaster for uh, for the Spartans, uh, mainly because the helots are clever enough not to try and fight a battle. Um, they hide in a, uh, in a in a mountain called Mount Athome. And try and uh, sort of fortify that, and the Spartans are useless at sieges. Uh, they ask for help. Well, from their, all their, of use, their uselessness at sieges is is one of the major things that are coming up here pretty soon. That yep. lead to that lead to things getting things getting a little bit hostile between between <laughs> Athens between the Delians and the the Peloponnesians. <clears throat> yeah, and say this is Sparta. Sparta is so bad 
at sieges and so desperate to subdue this slave revolt uh, that they ask for help. And Spartans don't normally ask for help. Never, yep. Uh, they ask for help for probably from the Corinthians and <coughs> excuse me. Um, they ask for help from all of their allies, uh, but it gets so bad uh, that they actually ask for help from Athens. Uh, in four, probably four six three, uh, they ask for help directly from Athens. That basically this is a disaster. Uh, and of course, I mean, in the ancient world, again, it's something we don't really understand. Uh, in the ancient world, Athens would have maybe sort of laughed sideways at Sparta for having trouble with their slaves uh, but Athens had slaves too yep. uh, so they couldn't really allow a real slave revolt or to, to take would, place successfully yeah, because if, yeah. if, if slaves are revolt, if the slaves of the Spartans who are sort of the most totalitarian and hammer fisted of us all uh, if there's if there's uh, uh, if, slaves, yeah, it's basically they don't want their their slaves to look at that and they <laughs> say, well, just... if they can revolt against the Spartans and win, then any any slave group can revolt and win. It's a chance, yeah. That's really why the Spartans. That's why the, the Athenians or the Spartans really don't have a problem maybe asking the Athenians and other Greeks for help with this because it is sort of a thing that is a a generally a understood thing. thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a Greek thing. It's a Greek thing that we need to keep all of our slaves in line. Uh, Cimon then leaves a leads a massive expedition, an Athenian force of eight thousand, I think, maybe goes to go and sure. to defeat uh, uh, to try and defeat the uh, uh, to, to capture it might have me from the helots. Uh, but the Spartans almost immediately tell them to go home. Uh, basically, yeah. the Spartans are terrified of as, as much as of Athenian army in the Peloponnese, uh, and this. This destroys Cimon's career because he had been so pro-Spartan and had been had to jump all over this and help the Spartans and do this and do this and this. And he gets ostracized uh, the following year for uh, Boy. for this. So again, now so they've got rid of Themistocles, they've got rid of Cimon. Uh, so I mean, the Athenians are not slow to uh, get rid of uh, somebody who is slightly unpopular. Uh, well, so and so and, and so it had a, a double a double effect because on the one hand, here are the Spartans they're they're dealing with the siege with these slaves and then. Here rolls up, and you're like, "Oh, Athens has that many people. They have an army that's that big, and they we can thought, just come thought, right over to our area." We it's need to keep an eye that, on this. Yeah, they, they probably thought they they would ask the Athenians for help, and the Athenians would either would either say no or would send them sort of a decent general uh, and some basically like an officer corps to come and lead and show us how to be a siege. But instead, they the Athenians rock up with a decent sized army and, and uh, so they're like okay so that's a sign to the Spartans they, yeah, they and then back home it, yeah. <laughs> back home in Athens the one uh, you know real pro Spartan guy mm -hmm. who could run things is then ostracized for coming to help the Spartans so it's a, it's a double effect where the Spartans are now on guard and kind of hostile towards Athens because they see the manpower that they have and on the other side the one guy who could have stopped them from having anything to worry about is then ostracized for helping the Spartans. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's and this is this is this sort of marks a bit of a hallmark and uh, sort of a watermark in uh, in the Athenian Spartan Spartan sort of relations at this stage up yeah. until now. Say with Cimon in control, Sparta had been or Athens had been quite quite happy just to leave Sparta alone. Uh, now after four six one with Cimon gone, the Athenians now are uh, far more. Uh, sort of happy to sort of start poking the old Spartan bear uh, yeah. 
they, they show actually that what happened with the final the fight when Athome finally falls, uh, it doesn't actually fall to some great military stratagem. Uh, they are nego- they actually Spartans have to negotiate, and uh, they basically allow the helots that have uh, rocked up in, to, in this in this uh, citadel to leave. They're not allowed to come back to the Peloponnese, uh, but the Athenian fleet rocks up uh, in northern in the northern Peloponnese and uh, takes the takes all the helots across. To a place called Naupactus and settles them all there. So all of a sudden now the Athenians have a uh, have a sort of uh, an allied city state uh, that's created uh, out of former Spartan slaves. Former Spartan slaves. So it's that Who kind of technically won against the Spartans. So well, yeah, they didn't lose, and that's yeah. the sort of idea is that they didn't lose. Um, so this is say up until now the Athenians have been have been content to ignore the Peloponnese and be quite So happy. were the Spartans pissed? Did they did they know that? Did they know that Athens came? Oh yeah, oh yeah, they were up? they were they would have been pissed about that, all right. Uh, but I say the, the the thing is, uh, they had already allowed they were already going to allow these the helots to leave and go somewhere else anyway. Uh, yeah. But they were maybe hoping that they wouldn't be able to be absorbed basically into the Athens. Wow. So uh, now Pactus is a very becomes is a is a is a, it's across the and um, where now Pactus is becomes uh, a problem for Corinth because it's a now solid foothold for, for them yeah, to overlooks the, the it overlooks yeah. the uh, overlooks the Corinthian Gulf. Uh, so actually, uh, with the, now essentially the Athenians have a naval base can have a naval base on in the Corinthian Gulf and this is a this is where this but they say they're really not happy with uh, yeah. with how this with how the Spartans have treated them uh, and they actually go out and look for Spartan enemies to ally themselves with. Uh, and of course, the longest-standing one is the is uh, Argos, and there's the Athenian Arg- Athenian alliance with Argos at this time, uh, and also I think they ally with Thessaly as well, which is yep. the Spartans have campaigned in recent times. Um, so really, they're sort of now looking for any way to undermine the Peloponnesian League. Uh, and, and that's what, and from what I read, and like I said, there's probably a lot more to this, or that we've said. Um, that's what really kind of open like these are all the the, the preludes and like things <laughs> that you know people are looking they're, they're side-eyeing each other but then eventually the smaller allies started getting all ignorant with each other and started fighting and that's what really kind of cracked the door open to the much larger conflict yeah i'd say it's, it's essentially essentially it's when people are asked to take sides and they start to be uh, i'd say the, the mind of thome thing becomes sort of the the real change in in policy towards between the pair of them actually because now everybody's view they're viewing each other with suspicion yeah uh, so you see the the Athenian League now Athenian Empire is while it's sort of based on the Athenian League uh, is also a trading empire so uh, say that in the, the in the Peloponnesian League there's Corinth which is the great which was the great trading uh, the great trading city up until now uh, and Athens is sort of trying to is now starting to impinge on a lot of that now with now Pactus is now in the way. Uh, and now it gives Athens a chance now to actually look farther west. They start doing a lot of Corinthian city states in uh, in uh, Sicily and southern Italy, and the Athenians are now starting to get into uh, markets over there. Um, they also uh, now start to look at Megara, which is sort of the that the land link between northern and southern Greece, which had always sort of been Peloponnesian up until now. Uh, the Athenians are now starting to uh, edge it out of the Peloponnesian league by being nice to Megara and. Uh, sort of now you see Megara starting now linking towards or moving towards uh, sort of becoming an Athenian ally um, and eventually would actually ask for Athenian protection from essentially from Corinth because Corinth was quite uh, sort of put out by all of these changes oh yeah uh, it's also the time we see uh, the Athenians are building walls uh, the great long walls of Athens and that uh, was another another one of those things that's, that's a major turning point because 
when we talk about how, because remember we just covered everybody how the Spartans are not a siege warfare group. They, they're not real good at it. So when Athens goes out of their way to build these giant walls, that is to 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 the Spartans and probably in reality, that is a clear clear sign of like, hey, w- we are specifically preparing for a conflict with you and trying to set you up for failure if you were to try to come to take over us. The the long-held idea was that uh, any Spartan attack on Athens would be an invasion of Attica uh, and the region, So, and there would be no real walls to sort of defend Athens, so uh, instead now they build these truly colossal walls, which don't don't, not not just cover Athens, they actually include Athens and its two ports, so Athens sort of becomes sort of a... uh, an island basically in Attica, and this is this. And actually, it's one of the things that Athens does for Megara as well. Uh, once Megara sort of joins the Athenian alliance, uh, the, the Athenians help them build their own long walls to uh, uh, to to to, to uh, solidify their uh, control of their own city. Uh, so again, this is sort of where this is where we're getting quite uh, it's getting quite touchy, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, can we just? Pause there for a second. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a little pause for the cause. Let you guys get a little drink, a little snack, a little rest. The conclusion of the Peloponnesian Wars will be on our next episode of the Wrestling Wars podcast. Luckily, during this double take, um, we recorded it all in one day. I just wanted to break it up a little bit for you guys and uh, let you guys have a little rest in between if you can't do history for two and a half straight hours um save it for later check out my episode with kb uh where we discuss the current ongoings in wwe in the meantime like i said the next episode will be right there ready to go for you guys um and in the meantime if there's anything that you would think of a person place or event you'd like for us to touch on quickly before we continue our timeline in future episodes Hit me up on Twitter, um, hit Barbosa up, hit me up on the forums, uh, at MNCBKG on Twitter, MNCBKG on Twitter. Um, I'll, we'll delve into whatever events that you'd like us to touch upon before we continue on the timeline. We'll be happy to do that for you guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and I hope you enjoy the next episode as well.